Amen. Good morning, church. How you guys doing? You know what I love about you guys? There's so many of you that pray with your eyes open. Way to go. He's praying. I'm like, God, we would not be a stiff-necked people. And you guys are just like, yeah, that's good. That's good. So good to see you guys. Thanks for praying. Thanks, Tyler, for the strong word. Hey, it's going to be a great and powerful morning, but are you guys also okay with having a little bit of fun too, yeah? You guys all right with that? All right. Well, uh, if you're new here, my name is Mitchell Welch, and I'm the college pastor here, and love this church, love get to do what I get to do. Um, how many of you guys, just be, be honest real quick, be bold, how many of you guys, this is your first time at Antioch, come on, we want to give you a holler and a shout and say thanks for being here. Anybody has got a first timers? Awesome. Got a couple over there. Awesome. That little boy raised his hand. That was awesome. Cool. So glad you guys are here this morning. We love having new faces and hope you feel welcome and feel the presence and the love of God today. Um, I have not actually been here the last several weeks. It's my first time back on Sunday morning in a while because we just got back recently from our spring break mission trip called Revive. Anybody there? Raise your hand if you went on Revive. We've got probably a few folks. All right. Awesome. So glad to be back. Uh, this morning is going to be a little bit different. You guys okay with a little different Sunday morning? It's going to be really exciting too. So we're going we're gonna, to, in the middle of uh, the message here, we're going to be uh, rolling out a, a theme and a new series for us. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really tell a lot of stories and testimonies to the start of this message, all right? And I want to testify about what God did during our spring break mission trip, Okay. So you guys okay with a few testimonies? Okay with getting encouraged? Does anybody here believe God is alive and well? Awesome. I hope is everyone will believe that by the time we are done, all right? So real quick, um, how many guys um, have ever been on a, a spring break mission trip with us before? Raise your hand. I mean, it's probably about half the room. Okay, how many guys had no idea we ever take a spring break mission trip? Go ahead, just raise your hand. Probably our first time guest. All of you knew that? Oh, because I just said it. Okay, great. So regardless on whether you went, didn't go, you're aware of it or not, I, I really believe that this morning is not just an opportunity for the college pastor to tell everybody what the, you know, the cool college ministry did over spring break, but, but really it's not about revive. What I really want to highlight is what God did in our midst during that week. And I, I have this assumption that I hope is true that if you're here this morning, you are interested in the things of God. You are interested in a move of God. You're, you want to be a part of the things that God is doing. Is that true of anybody here? <laughs> and this re revive, God did something incredible, and we really experienced, I believe, a, a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. And I want to just, I want to invite you all into it, all right? This is not something that just the college ministry experience, just that, you know, I got to be a part of, to lead with the team, but this is like, this is for us, our whole church. So you guys ready to hear about it? Yes. And I um, also want to say, you know, so many of you, us might be thinking about a variety of different things this morning. You might really be focused in on your world and your, uh, what's going on in your house, what's going on in your workplace. And just for a moment, I'm going to invite you to, to zoom out of that because I believe when we get a picture of what God's doing and get our heart and faith stirred about something bigger than our own world, that it actually gives us faith and it gives us peace in the midst of whatever's going on in our world. So let's just take a minute and let's just like step back and, and see what God's really doing and see if he would have us be a part of it. All right? Sound good? 
All right, so quick overview of Revive. We like to say that Revive is, is a mix of a mission trip, of course, but then also like a conference, okay? It's like the best of both worlds. This year, we went to New Orleans, Louisiana. Any New Orleans fans out there? Anybody from New Orleans? Nobody? Yes? Got a whistle? Yeah? Oh, that's right. Hey. So we went to New Orleans, and we took about 300 people with us this year and just invaded the city with the love of God. A little bit of what our schedule looks like. The morning times, we would gather together, all 300 of us, and we would spend time in worship. There'd be teachings, there'd be response time, and opportunity to pray over each other. And then in the afternoons, we would do different outreaches. So we did a variety of outreaches this year. We went to a couple college campuses that are in New Orleans. We also went to some specific neighborhoods at the church we partnered with, um, designated for us to go to and pray for. Uh, and then we had an, a massive food outreach in a, a lower-income neighborhood, and we got to give away a bunch of free food and bless uh, a neighborhood. It was, it was awesome. Um, but let me, let me highlight a couple of things that God did. In our morning times together, um, they, were, they were powerful. People were receiving the love and the presence of God like never before. People were getting set free from things that had been holding them down for years. And I'm talking like, like real breakthrough, real change, real conviction. People were repenting and confessing things that they've held on to for years. There was major breakthrough. We also had several people feel like they received a, a word from the Lord about their future and about the things that God's calling them into. And then several of us were just humbled again by the power and the love of God and brought to our knees and stripped free of pride in our lives. It was very, um, very humbling just to be in the presence of God and know that God was stripping this stuff away from us. But anyways, as a result of the things that God was doing, uh, about 20 of our students decided they wanted to get baptized during our spring break trips. We have a picture of uh, baptism, I think, up here. So they're about to get dunked, I believe, or maybe they just did, and there's another one. Woo, cheering, celebration. Okay, keep that up there for a second. We had this amazing hotel right in like downtown New Orleans, and it had a rooftop pool so literally the other side of this is like you see the whole city of New Orleans right there. And we crowded around this pool, baptized about 20 people because they were just responding to all that God was doing in their hearts during the trip. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that fun? Wow. So good. A uh, couple of specific things we saw during our outreach time. So we saw countless people receive prayer and get blessed by the presence of the Lord. We saw a few people give their life to Jesus. Shared the message of the gospel, and they said, I want this. Several times we would hear, hear stories going down to the downtown district, kind of the touristy place. You'll find all sorts of people there in New Orleans. Um, and a lot of folks are broken and struggling, uh, specifically with drugs. And we had several conversations start like this. Hey, how's it going? The person was like, oh, it's great. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm on this. You want some of this? And it would start there. We're going to talk about the love of Jesus, and then the conversation would, would end with, you know, I'm tired of being on drugs. I, I, I want what you have. I, I want this peace. I want this power. Wow. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? We saw some miraculous healings happen. Okay? Uh, this just in, God can do anything he wants, and he's a healer. <laughs> okay, I'll talk about this a little bit later on, but as you read throughout Scripture, you see obviously in the life of Jesus, um, him praying for the sick and the sick being healed. You also see the early believers, followers of Jesus, doing the same thing, and the sick were healed. And we believe that we can see that happen today. Can't make anything happen, but if we allow God to be God and just pray, then we can at least see if he will show up. And he showed up. One fun story of a healing 
one of our uh, teams was in a neighborhood, and they were just prayer walking the neighborhood, and they're walking by different homes, and there is a, a family, an, an older woman uh, on her porch, and as they walked by, they just felt prompted to go talk with her and offer to pray for her. So they walk up to her, they start a small talk conversation, offer to pray for this lady. Hey, is there anything that you need God to do in your life? And she's like, ah, well, my knee's been bothering me. And so one of our students said, well, can I pray for you in the name of Jesus and see if God would heal your knee? And so she said, all right, go ahead. <laughs> and so they just put hands on her knee, start praying. And then, I mean, literally, it's a 10-second prayer, ask how she's doing. And she says, hmm, stands up, starts walking on it. She's like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> she like lifts up her leg, takes off this like bandage thing, takes it off, he's like, what y'all do to me? This feels better. What on earth? And God miraculously healed her in the moment. Isn't that crazy? So we got to invite her into the love of Jesus and encourage her. She's already a believer, but just what a, what a cool moment where God just reminding this lady how much he loves her. He didn't have to do that, but she was definitely encouraged. Another fun story, um, in the tourist kind of downtown district, one of our um, girls went up uh, at a restaurant and was kind of closing out, um, eating lunch, and saw a police officer there and just felt boldness to go up to him and start with just thanking him for his service. She said something to the extent of, thank you so much for what you do for this city. I know you guys work hard, and, and we, I want to I offer to, to bless you and serve you in any way. Can I pray for you and for the work that you guys are doing here in this city? He just kind of gives her a little bit of a strange look and says, hang on, young lady. Then he like turns to another officer down the road and says, hey, captain, come here. He calls the captain of this uh, troop down, and he says to him, you will not believe what this young lady just asked of us. Turns out they're fellow believers, and they encouraged uh, our student that what you guys are doing is amazing. We see lots of groups come down here and try to minister, but they're doing it with the wrong spirit. They're yelling at people, but what you guys are doing is amazing, and I see the love of God in you guys. I see you serving. And then, and then he says, listen, if you guys ever want to come down here, we will make a way. We'll give you protection. We will, we will walk with you. You guys can do whatever you want to do if you're going to serve this area. And so, uh, isn't that great? And so, I know you guys can't see it, but it was Captain Dean C. Behrens, and he gave our, uh, the girl his, his uh, business card and just says, hey, if you need anything, give me a call. Again, you need protection? Well, we'll let, can you just? <laughs> and we passed this off to the, the pastor there in New Orleans we're partnering with, and, and he told me, like, man, that's amazing. Maybe call them up and just see what, what we could do down there. Can you just, like, picture that for a minute, them taking a team this downtown New Orleans and having, like, officers surround them and just say, hey, anybody want Jesus? Anybody want, you know, just like, <laughs> got police officers around. I'm like, no one's going to mess with them. It's amazing. So just encouraging stories. I mean, there are countless others. But another cool thing about this year that we did that was different on Tuesday through Thursday afternoon, we had different rounds of our college students, about one-third of our college students stayed back from these different outreaches, and they prayed and they fasted. They gave up lunch, they prayed and they fasted, and they cried out to God for him to move in power on all these different outreaches and praying for breakthrough in the city of New Orleans. And they were powerful prayer meetings. They were not just sitting, twiddling their thumbs, hoping to be done. I literally walked in one time with my boys, so I'm like a little bit already distracted. They're running around being crazy, but I literally walk in and just feel the presence of God. Just go to my knees and say, Lord, you're moving. Like something is shifting and changing in this city, and you're responding to our prayers. It was a powerful week, y'all. But here's what's so cool. 
since we've been back the last 10 days, this move of God has not stopped. Um, God's been showing up in some pretty cool and powerful ways. At our, one of our college life groups last, last week, I think we had another five people get so moved by, by the Lord that they decided they wanted to get baptized. So they went to a little um, apartment pool and got baptized. Okay, last Sunday night at our college service, do you guys remember last week if you were here, Joe Ewan was in town with his amazing Scottish accent. I can't uh, mimic that for you. I won't try, but... Um, Sunday night, our college service, he came, and it just, it just got a little crazy, a little wild, um, because the Holy Spirit was just showing up in a powerful way, and there was multiple people that received miraculous healings. One guy had been suffering from whiplash for a while, and he could barely move his neck like this, and Joe said, I believe there's someone here that has been struggling with whiplash, and so the guy's like, uh, me, uh, and we get around him, pray for him, and he's like, oh my goodness, I can move my neck, praise the Lord, you know? Just a, a miraculous thing that the Lord's doing. We also had three people last Sunday night raise their hand to want to give their life over to Jesus and begin following him. This is good stuff, y'all. And I uh, just heard a testimony this morning about one of our family life groups that um, there was an invitation to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to confess sin, and multiple people opened up their hearts with weeping and saying, I need help in this area, and I, I want to change powerful. These are, guys, this is a move of God. This is a move of God. And I strongly sense in my heart that God does not want this to end. And that he wants all of us to be a part of it. It's not, again, just for the few radical folks on the front row that, you know, are used to some of this stuff. If you want it back there in the back, if you want it right here in the middle, if you want it over here, the Lord is very generous. And this morning, he is inviting us in to be a part of a move of his spirit that I don't believe has to end. And it's not just for the four walls of this church. I believe that if we say yes and jump into this move of the Holy Spirit, it's going to radically transform our city. That our city will feel the people of God rising up and walking in their destiny, being fully his and being a light to the dark world out there. Amen? Doesn't have to end. And at the end of this morning, there'll be an opportunity for you to decide and choose if, yeah, I want to be a part of this. I don't want to just hear stories or see it from a distance, but I want to be a part of it. At the end of the service, we're just going to open up the whole front here. I'm going to give you a warning because I will literally very clearly call you forward later. But if you want to be a part of it, just to come on down, just say, yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. In processing this trip and a few other things that the Lord's just been stirring in my heart, there's a, there's a theme that the Lord was highlighting to me. It's this phrase, return to normal, okay? Return to normal. Everybody say, return to normal. Now, it might seem, like as I share these testimonies and these stories, that it's not normal. <laughs> but bear with me for a second. As I, the more and more that I read the Bible, the more normal those testimonies I just share with you seem. The more I look at the life of Jesus, the things he taught, the things that he saw happen, the more I read through the book of Acts, where it's, which is the first example of Christians, like the very first Christians walking out their faith, the more I realize this stuff was normal. It was normal to see salvation. It was normal to see the power of the Holy Spirit show up. It was normal for people to confess their sin, to go low and humble themselves before the Lord and let him lift them up. It was normal. And let me also say it a different way, just in case it's not landing. It's, it's the only thing I see in here. 
I don't see what is more common and normal today. I don't see people kind of half-heartedly going through motions and only their extent of, of a relationship with God is limited to an hour or hour and a half service once a week, but it doesn't affect the rest of their life. I don't see it in here. It's not a, a judgment, but it's just an observation that this, is, this type of lifestyle is the only thing I find in here. If you find something else, let me know, but I don't think it's the same Bible <laughs> as, as this one. And I feel like the Lord is inviting us into this return to normal. What if, guys, what if we actually, like this became our normal, that we return to normal biblical Christianity? This is the only Christianity that I see in here. And what if in 2019 we could be a part of it? And I think that this room is full of people that want to be a part of it. Am I right or am I right? So good. So we have... um, a resource for you guys. I'm not sure if the team is here. We've got a, got a resource that a few folks are going to pass out, um, which lists off a few observations that we find in Scripture about what was normal for the people of God, okay? So it's going to be a little bookmark. If I can get a couple extra helpers to help these folks here. I want everyone to have one of these here. We're not going to go through it all uh, this morning, but I want you to be able to see a couple things here. If you're waiting for one of these cards, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 9, all right? If you're waiting for one of these, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 9. These folks are going to give this to you. All right. Raise your hand if you still need one. I know probably the middle of the row still need one. Raise your hand if you need one. Great. They are coming. Great. All right. So if you're, just go ahead and glance at this for a second. And I want to be clear with you guys on what this is and what this is not. This is not a step-by-step process of what it means to be a radical Christian. <laughs> this is simply a, an observation as we read throughout Scripture. There's, there's verses attached to each of these themes. It's just an observation of some things that were normal for followers of Jesus in the Bible. Okay. So just treat this as an observation, okay? This is not something that you got to go out and and do today, but it's an observation of what was normal in the Bible. People surrendered to Jesus. They pursued God consistently. They prayed. They fasted. They shared the gospel. They shared with others about Jesus. They spent time investing, discipling those that were hungry to follow and obey Jesus. This would just be a resource for you guys. Over the next couple weeks, we may unpack some of this stuff for you, but I believe there is an invitation from the Lord for us to return to normal Christian and normal biblical living found in the Word of God. And these are some of the things that stand out to you. Um, The rest of our time this morning, I'm going to just focus in on the first one on this little bookmark, which is surrender. All right? Everybody say surrender. Surrender. It's your favorite word. Why don't you turn to your neighbor real quick and ask them what they think surrender means. Go ahead. Turn to somebody next to you. What does surrender mean? All right. Hey, let me hear a couple answers real quick. Who had, who had a partner that had a great answer? Come on, just, what you got, bro? 
What was your answer? What does surrender mean? You got to say, you raise your hand. Go ahead, on, on behalf. Okay, okay. What was your partner's answer? Awesome. Yes, giving up everything you have, but specifically to a higher authority. Somebody over here, what, who had a great answer and definition of the word surrender? I'm on be bold. I know we usually don't do this on Sunday. Calling you out from here. Yes, Morgan. Laying something down for the sake of something else. Laying something down for the sake of something else. Great, great definitions. All right, you, we're going to look at this word here. And again, this is... Um, this is not just like, hey, this is step one to five-step process, and then everything's perfect in life. These are just things that we can incorporate in our life. And what I love to say about surrender here is this is the start, it's also the finish, and it's also everything in between if you want to be a follower of Jesus. You've got to be willing to embrace this theme of surrender. And we're going to look at a couple of things that Jesus taught in Scripture in Luke chapter 9 that really bring home that this was a main and central teaching of his throughout the Gospels, all right? So anybody at Luke chapter 9 yet? If you're there, say, I'm there. Sweet. Okay, a couple disclaimers before I read this stuff. No matter where you are today in your journey with God, all, all of us and all of you can start somewhere in the pursuit of living a surrendered life. Let me say it a different way. No matter what you're struggling with, what you find throughout Scripture is that if we come to Jesus, he will be very merciful, very kind, and very forgiving. No matter how broken or sinful or rebellious we may be, we will find the Lord to be merciful, kind, and forgiving. So what I don't want any of us here thinking as I unpack this topic, you know, this light Sunday morning topic of surrender, uh, I don't want you to think, ah, my life's too much of a mess. I can't give everything. Well, I can't clean my life up. That is, that is not allowed in your thought life right now. Because really what surrender is, is acknowledging that you are a mess and you need him. And can I kind of give you a heads up for everybody that's been following Jesus for a while, including every pastor on staff, we are all a mess. <laughs> we all need to surrender every single day. Okay, I'm going to be the first one down here surrendering again, saying, Lord, I'm a mess. I need you. Thank you, Lord. You good with that? Yeah. I'm going to read an amazing scripture just, again, to reiterate this point of how, what is the Lord's heart towards us no matter how we're coming to him. It's from Psalm 86, verse 5. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, For you, Lord, are good, and you are ready to forgive. You're abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Isn't that good? I'm gonna read it one more time. For you, Lord, are good, and you are ready to forgive, and you are abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. So we're gonna call upon the Lord in just a few minutes, and he's good to us. He's abundant in mercy. All right, here we go. We're in Luke chapter nine, all right? We're gonna look at two different passages. They're the same passages that are on your little bookmark thing here. Luke 9, 23 to 26, and then in just a second, we'll go to verse 57 to 62. All right, here we go, starting in Luke 9, 23. It says, then Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let me pause. Now, hold on a second. This was the initial call that Jesus gave to people that wanted to follow him. 
Don't miss this for a second. If Jesus is trying to get a mass following, this teaching is probably not a great strategy. <laughs> hey, you want to follow me? Just, you know, it's not about you. Get over yourself and let's go. <laughs> but this is his initial call. Now, if you don't like this translation here, I'm going to read another one. It's from, uh, anybody have the CCV this morning? CCV? Okay, here, it's not going to be on the screen. I don't think our computers have it. But it goes like this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him treat himself, take up his warm cup of coffee, and sit in a cozy chair once a week and listen to someone talk about me. CCV, anybody? Stands for the Comfortable Christianity Version. Uh-huh. Made that one up myself. Uh-huh. We've got some other versions on here, but I'm going to just keep it at that one. But listen, y'all. It's to, it's to emphasize the point that that was not the call of Jesus. However, however, sometimes what I just read from the CCV seems more common today than what he preached in Luke 9.23. And this is convicting for me. Coffee's great, and I like that you're sitting in a cozy chair, but that's not the invitation of Jesus to follow him. Amen. Now, it may be hard to hear him say things like this, but at least it's clear that if we want to follow him, then we need to surrender everything to him. And the rest of it goes on, verse 24. He says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory in the fathers and of the holy angels. The invitation's clear. We're coming in a place of surrender to Jesus. Now let's skip over a few more verses here. Once you go to verse 57, still in Luke chapter 9, we're going to spend the rest of our time here in these five or six verses because I believe that when I talk about the, the theme of surrender, we might ask the question, what, what are we supposed to surrender? I mean, the answer is everything, <laughs> but, but there's a few common themes and topics that we find throughout Scripture that are probably harder struggles for most of us. And I believe the Lord identifies some of those here in verse 57 through 62. You guys ready? All right. Verse 57. It says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Let me pause there. If someone came up to you and said, oh, I want to follow Jesus, <clears throat> most likely you would be, oh, wow, I'm so proud of you, amazing, awesome. But do you, I don't see Jesus responding that way. He's pretty much just saying, listen, I don't have a home, and it's not going to be easy. Are you sure you want to follow me? Are you guys seeing what I'm seeing here? And I think specifically with these couple verses, the Lord is speaking about our need to surrender our, our idolization of comfort and ease. Like all of you, I like things to be comfortable and easy. I prefer that. But we've got to be willing to give that up if we want to follow Jesus. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to follow Jesus. There are things that the Lord has, has invited me, I'll say, to give up so that I cannot idolize comfort and ease in every time it's been hard, but every time it's been worth it. And let me just say, 
it's not just, it's not just bad things. There are a lot of great things the Lord may prompt us to give up to him if maybe it has a wrong place in our hearts. And really, all the Lord is wanting in your heart and my heart today is a willingness to say, Lord, I'll give you, I'll give you what I need. I'll give you anything. And I've, I, let me give you a little tip here. If you want to embrace a lifestyle of overcoming the idolizing comfort here, I've discovered a key in Scripture that's helped me not give in to comfort and ease. Do you guys want that key? I found in Scripture. I actually, no, you don't. Uh, are you sure you do? Yeah. Okay. The key to overcoming the idol of ease and comfort is fasting. Yeah. I told you you did not want me to say that. <laughs> when I give up food, even if it's just one, one meal, I feel it. I feel it. My stomach is making weird noises. It's bubbling up, telling me, give me food. But when I, when I begin to be, like, intentionally be uncomfortable for the Lord, you know what it does? It drives me to know how much I need Jesus. Jesus said that we don't live on, on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of his mouth. And I feel that time to reading his word, praying, seeking him, and it is, it is helping me not live for comfort and ease in my life. I told you you didn't want me to say that, but it's, it will be helpful if you apply. Okay, let's keep going here. Verse 59 and 60. Then Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Woo! Some of us are thinking, how rude, Jesus. <laughs> how dare you say that? You know, honestly, this probably offends us more than all the other ones. But, but what I believe he's speaking about are two things here. He's speaking about our need to surrender family and finances. So the family portion is obvious. It's his dad that he's talking about. But do you guys know what this man, this, this, this guy that Jesus called to follow him, he probably would have received a pretty hefty inheritance upon his father's death. Like lots of money, lots of possessions, lots of wealth. And the Lord is poking at our need to not live for those things. I don't see here that Jesus is calling these things wrong or bad. In fact, if you look at the whole counsel of Scripture, you're going to find that the Lord emphasizes family. We need to love and care for our family. Husbands loving their wives. Wives loving husbands. Raising up our children unto the Lord. But it's clear that he doesn't want us to idolize even these good things. Same with our finances. It's clear throughout Scripture. If we steward our finances well unto the Lord, the Lord can use that to bless so many people around us. And we should, we should look forward to be able to do that. But we are not to hold too tightly even to these good things from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's look at these last two verses, verse 61 and 62. Because then another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to them, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In, in these couple of verses, I believe he's speaking about our need to surrender relationships and reputation. Relationships and reputation. There were people at this guy's house, probably pretty important people, people that he had a relationship with, but also he was probably wanting to be a really good host and not ruin his reputation because he wanted to impress them by being a good host. And you know, some of us in this room, we've got relationships that we know are not helping us grow in our, in our love for God. And I just believe the Lord has just wanted to poke at that a little bit this morning and say, are you willing to let go of things that could help you 
grow in your love for him. And when it comes to our reputation, I believe the Lord is, is really wanting to highlight this. Even as we were praying this morning as a pastoral staff, this was highlighted before I even shared my notes, and we felt like the Lord wanted some of us here to surrender our reputation. Now, for me, there are plenty of ways that God has challenged me with this. Let me give you a really clear, real-time example. Part of my job is getting in front of hundreds of people and talking, like right now, and I'm tempted to care what you think, but I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you guys are awesome, and most of you are probably going to see me at the door and say, what a great sermon, pastor party. You, know, you don't even know who I am, <laughs> but I... I there are thousands of guys today literally waiting to feed off the encouragements of others to make them feel a self of worth or, 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 or a little bit of self-worth. And I just don't want to live that way. There's one person I'm, I'm preaching for this morning. It's not my wife, even though she's so good looking right there. It is Jesus. Jesus. I want him to be pleased with what I'm presenting to you guys this morning. Now, there's so many other ways that the Lord's challenged my... Uh, my just need to get over what, what reputation, what I mean by that is like caring and concerning yourself so much about what others think. All of you are going to have an opportunity to break out of that this morning. All of you. Okay, you, here's what you will feel. I'm going to give an invitation at the end. You can, you'll be able to come forward if you want to surrender anything to the Lord. And here's what you're going to feel. You're going to feel like this, like, mm, I'm not getting out of my chair. No, because somebody might see me. I just say that the Lord wants to set you free from that. And if you come before him, I believe you're going to find him. He's going to meet with you. Another fun story about overcoming reputation was uh, right, out of, right out of college, I uh, was a teacher at Navasota High School for a couple years. And um, the last year that I was uh, teaching, I was doing the Antioch Discipleship School. And we had a week-long challenge in my year of doing ADS, which I believe needs to come back uh, this year. But anyways, whereas the week before Easter, we were each given like a, a, a cross, a wooden cross that was about this tall. Come on, raise on board. About this tall and this wide, a big old wooden cross. And the challenge was, hey, let's not be ashamed of the cross of Christ. Let's not be ashamed of what Jesus has done for us. So the challenge is carry this cross, this massive cross with you everywhere that you go for a whole week. Okay, and I was a teacher at a public high school. And there is some freedom, there's some flexibility. I could have left the, the cross thing on my desk and just continued to teach, whatever. But I felt like the Lord challenging me to overcome the fear of man, what others thought about me, and stop protecting my reputation. And so I took the cross and I put it on my little lanyard here that had like my ID and I just wore it right here all week. So Monday, that first day, one of my students, you know, walks into the classroom, kind of glances at me and like, Mr. Welch, you got some bling bling on today. Why are you wearing that, Mr. Welch? We know you love Jesus. Why are you wearing that cross? I just had to say, uh, well, you know, I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done for me. It's just helped me remember that he took the cross for me, something like that. Also, it just so happened that that week we had our monthly staff and faculty meeting. <laughs> Perfect timing, you know. Also had another meeting with another teacher, like, outside my hall, and, like, we're talking. She's just, like, 
like staring at my, what I'm wearing. It's just so embarrassing. But it was so good for my soul because it helped me overcome my concern about everybody that thinks about me and specifically about my love for Jesus. This is the biggest thing that we need to not care what other people think about. And it's an ongoing work. Last week, I was on campus and felt prompted that I need to get over this fear of man thing. I need to stop caring about what others think about me. Specifically, I need to be okay with people labeling me as a Jesus freak. Like, I think I need to be okay with that. I want to be normal. I want to be, like, personable. But I need to be willing to give up my reputation, especially when it comes to my, like, finding my identity in Jesus. So approached a group of people, sent down, interrupt their conversation, brought up Jesus, and it was great. It was great. Uncomfortable, but it helped me overcome my reputation. So anyways, all this to say, what I just gave you in Luke chapter 9 is a, a small list of a few top things, most common things that we need to surrender before the Lord. And there are so many other things that are probably coming up in your hearts and minds, but really it just starts with a willingness to say, Lord, I need you. I need you, and I want help. And this morning as we're praying, I just feel like there is at least in this room for everybody, no matter if it's your first time here, welcome to Antioch, talking about surrender, I know, big crosses, but just, I'm not going to give you one of those to wear all week, but, but wherever you are in the journey, I believe that all of us have at least one thing that God's going to bring up to our hearts to lay down and surrender to him this morning. Some of us might be more than one, but I believe all of us have at least something that we can surrender to the Lord today. And just to give you an encouragement, the surrender of your life and the surrender of everything starts with the surrender of the first thing. That's where it starts. If you're willing to take that first step, then the Lord will help you embrace a lifestyle of surrender unto him. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We have the worship team coming up here. I'm going to close it out by sharing one more story and testimony from... Revive, all right? I think it has to do really with this theme of surrender. So on Saturday morning of Revives, so this was, I guess, a little over two weeks ago now, we were, we were in here, we're spending, having a time together, and Ashley Hardy came and preached a message, in a sense, on surrender, but focusing specifically on holiness and repentance and confession of sin. The night before, we talked about the amazing love of God and how good he is to us, how amazing he is, and in response to how amazing he is, honestly, the right second response is just to say, Lord, okay, I'll give you everything. If you're that good, I'll give you everything. Even this morning, we're just singing a lot about the goodness and faithfulness of God. The right response is to say, Lord, you're worth everything. But anyways, Ashley shared this message, and at the end, there was an opportunity for us to come forward, to kneel down, and just begin to humble ourselves before the Lord and be able to confess things that we needed to confess. Both Ashley and I felt like there was an opportunity for us to do open confession and open repentance. And it's a little risky when you're with a room of 300 people, but we said, all right. I got up there and said, we're going to do open confession and repentance, so if you have anything that you would like to confess unto the Lord out in the open, then come up to the microphone and you can confess. What I thought was going to just be a nice moment lasted for five hours. Five, no, no, like five hours of people doing this. Here's how it looked. You ready? It was in this room, literally. 
There's a line that started here, okay? And it went all the way back there, past the sound booth, even past that door over there. <laughs> Every time I looked back at the line to kind of see how long it was gonna take, the line got bigger, which is not supposed to happen with lines. I thought they're supposed to get smaller. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna have to changed a couple things on our schedule, so we had to cancel something in the afternoon. But anyways, it literally lasted for five hours, and here was the process. Someone would come up, grab the mic, get on their knees, begin confessing sin. Many of them would begin weeping. They'd get down, drop the mic. A group of people from their life group or section would gather around them on the stage. Five, six people lay hands on their back, just begin praying for them. Next person, grab the mic, get on their knees, start confessing sin, weeping. People would pray for them. That literally happened for five hours. I was sitting over there just weeping. One, because I was also being convicted of sin and, and just junk in my heart and getting out to the Lord. But I was also weeping because you know what was happening that day? People were getting set free. You know when we surrender to Jesus, what you're saying is, is, is we want freedom. Every time, and listen, y'all, it was not pretty stuff they were confessing. It wasn't like polished things. Here's a, you know, a list of things you can confess on this microphone. It was, it, was, it was gross sin. It was getting all the junk out there. Variety of things. One common thing was sexual sin. Lust, pornography, masturbation, sex out of marriage. They're on the microphone confessing this weeping, getting prayed for, freedom happening, power of God showing up, and they're different. Some of them are in this room. I read through some fresh testimonies this morning. They're here in this room and they're free, more free than they've ever been in their life. And as I talked earlier this message, there's a move of God I believe is happening and God's inviting us into it, but here is how it starts. It starts with us surrendering to Jesus and saying, Lord, here I am. I need you, help me. So here's how I want to close. Once you close your eyes just for a second, I want you just thinking, Lord, what's the one thing that I need to surrender today? <laughs>